0: Hello and welcome to All Starts, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over going on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott and I'm joined today by Martin Riley. Martin, how are you, mate? I'm doing good.
1: I've actually eaten um, before podding today, so that's been a change from recent. So I'm feeling
0: good. Full of sausage and homemade chips. So yeah, it was a decent tea. How about you? I have one to add I don't know who's adding these up but I had a spag ball I did oh so that's one to add on um not only that but we're here today to talk about another thing that came up from our start of season predictions uh podcast which I would still urge everyone to go listen to if they haven't already um but we're playing a promoted team this weekend and we haven't lost to them yet because we've beaten it such and drawn with Sheffield Wednesday um so yeah that's an interesting one as well. Um, is there any news to discuss before we head into that? I don't believe there is, but is there anything you have you wanted to mention?
1: No, nothing that I can think of now. I don't think there's been anything
0: Leeds-related recently. No, the only thing, don't know, this has already been mentioned previously, but it looks like Jed Spence will be back after the international break, so won't be involved in this game, but will be involved potentially for the Rotherham and Swansea games shortly after. We hope so. Yes, we are here today, of course, to talk about Plymouth Argyle, who we play on Saturday at Elland Road. Um, but before we do that, um, Martin spoke to Nick from the Green and White podcast, and here's what they discussed. Hi,
1: I'm Martin Riley, and I'm here today with Nick from the Plymouth podcast, Green and White. Nick, how are you?
2: Uh, I'm great, thanks. How uh, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, been a been a pretty quiet day, just chilling at home with the kids. Um, so, yeah, one of the few days in this half-term week where I've not had to do too much. <laughs> How about you?
2: I mean, busy day at work for me. Massive campaign just launched and uh, minor things going wrong, but big campaign, minor problems always get escalated in a way that it shouldn't Out, you know, similar to yeah. a problem outside that campaign didn't have an issue.
1: I'm with you, I'm with you. That's great. Um, We're not here to talk about our personal lives, though. We're here today to talk about Plymouth Argyle. Uh, So we've got a bunch of questions for Nick, so I'll just dive into them. Uh, Firstly, I just want to to ask where Plymouth are as a club at the moment. Just fills in how the last few years have been.
2: Um, Interesting question, because, well, just the last few years, um, but literally just today, the day we're recording, Argyle just released a new five-year plan. I mean, I'll touch on that in a second, but interesting timing around that in, in terms of like how the club sees itself and the strategy it has going forward but i mean um i think most people would say that the club is or at least many people at the very least would say the club's in the best place it's ever been in i mean I, someone literally said that to me earlier might have be been earlier this week or last week um financially speaking it's probably the healthiest they've ever been i think it's the highest turnover the club's ever had even if you adjust for inflation it's quite possibly quite possibly that so last time we were in the championship we were spending very unsustainably and that set the backdrop for what I'm sure many of your listeners will be aware of. Um a, uh, a massive financial meltdown, nearly going into liquidation and ultimately spending what felt like the best part of a decade, There was wasn't actually that long in the end, um, fighting off you know, fighting to get out of League Two and escape League Two. Um so relative to that, I think every everyone sees Argyle relative to where we've been the last few years and the way we've climbed back up and The last season was just uh, incredible. The season before was a great season. 80 points and not making the playoffs is obviously heartbreaking, but it was such a great season. It is. But then last season with uh, just below halfway budget, I think it was 14th in the league. I I think that was the number that's thrown around to what I think only Wolves have ever amassed more points in League 1 in a far easier league with a way massive budget, particularly relative to the league, to achieve what we achieved last season. I think everything is really framed against that. Um, and so the last few years, it's just been progress, really. That's how you can define it in one word. Um, back in twenty, I think it was 2020, 20, 2019, 2020 season, Hallett, Simon Hallett, our chairman, set a five-year plan to be a sustainable championship club. We achieved that, uh, what, a year early? Um in that we are financially sustainable and we are in the championship, and like I say, just today they released a new five-year plan um, to be a sustainable top-six championship club with ambitions of being in the Premier League within five years. Which is, which is right. I, I think it's wrong to to assume that we could put ourselves down as a Premier League club in a five-year plan. In fact, the last time we're in the championship and put a five-year plan in place was the season we got relegated. Five years after that, mm. that plan was to get to the Premier League. Five years later, we were you know, barely scraping out in League Two. So the club's in a great place, is the short answer to that.
1: No, that's a very good, detailed answer. I really appreciate that. And Leeds fans especially can relate to financial crises and, and recovering from them. So it's good to know that they're in, in a good place at the moment. That's great.
2: And even when you think about... Yeah, they are just the context around Reading, Wednesday, all these other di- scandals and so forth. It's a real blessing to be able to be succeeding in a sustainable way where you don't, you know, have any fear or risk for your club. So, yeah.
1: It's good stuff. And we're now just a few months into the season. And How did your summer transfers go and how have your new signings gelled into your
2: squad? So it's an interesting one. Um, a lot of people really love the transfers during the summer. I wasn't quite so... Um, I mean, I, I was very happy, but to me, a lot of the squad was lacking depth, and I think that's kind of played out a bit in the season. I think we'll probably talk about that later rather than now. We had our, our, we broke our transfer record twice: Barley Mumba, Morgan Whittaker, both one million pound signings. So that's our transfer record, and they're both, I think, the exact same amount, which again speaks to the financial health of the club. But equally, if you look at the age profile, I think we've got one of the youngest squads in the league. If you look at minutes per age at start of season, we've got. Or even younger, relatively speaking, I think. So, and then also going into it, half of our minutes—if you add up all the minutes, all our players have played pre-start of the season—half the minutes were accumulated by Joe Edwards, our captain, a decade ago during his yeah. one season playing with Yeovil when Yeovil were in the championship. So we went in with not just inexperienced players, but you know players who'd never played at this level before, really. Mm. So you know, it was a bit of a weird one. So I, we, we. We brought in lots of you know promising young players, and we had a exciting squad. But equally, if you looked close enough, there was you know potential issues there. And interestingly, like if you look at our starting eleven now, there's only two players in what I think you call our best eleven um, who didn't play for us last season. A lot of this, se- a lot of the summer was like keeping the squad together or bringing back people we had on loan, i.e., Finnis, As, Barley, Member, Morgan, Whittaker. And of the eleven players who've got over six hundred minutes, there's only three of those who didn't play for us last season, the, the third, the Kessler, Hayden and Gibson, and the third being a goalkeeper, Connor Hazard, who's only been playing because Michael Cooper's been injured, and now Cooper's back from injuries, displaced him again. The real change over the summer has been a new formation. We've gone from 3-4-3 to 4-3-3, and the tactical changes have meant that, as well as the step up from League One to Championship, these players who played a very specific tactical approach last year have had to relearn their positions. Whittaker's gone from an inside port to a winger, Mumba from a wing-back to a winger, an outright winger. Finnazzar's gone from attacking mid back to centre-mid. Yeah, there's been changes.
1: Been a lot, lot, lot of changes then, but also some things yeah. staying the same in regards to personnel. Good. And sp- speaking um, about your squad more of an of a overall level, do you feel it's, it's at a good level? And what would you say are your expectations for this season?
2: First team's good. Probably on paper, bottom-end championship side. But you know when they click and they gel then I could see them, you know, taking on and being the you know bigger clubs in the league. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a real statement victory at some point. It doesn't always happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. I think our real focus is like I said with all these young players, if we develop them, then we're gonna really see payoff because they're gonna improve throughout the season. They're gonna be that, that's really where our growth is coming from, not from bringing in quality players but by improving the players that we've got. Um, but like I say the squad less so I mean, we we've probably had one game where we played something close to our B team, and Bristol City rolled us over four one. And to be honest, six or seven wouldn't have been unfair on them. And I think, yeah, it just speaks to the lack of squad depth that we're quite reliant on the same sort of 13, 14 players. So yeah, squad's a little light. I think, like I sort of referenced, expectation for the season. I, I I'm sort of I think we're going to survive comfortably. I, I that's where I feel right now. But it only takes one month of you know the club regressing in terms of performances or injury hitting or a terrible January transfer window, you never know what's around the corner, and that could change. It's one of those, when you're down at the bottom, it could go one of two ways.
1: Makes sense. Thanks for the detailed answer there again. Uh, speaking about the results, uh, I think it's fair to say they've been inconsistent so far. How have you found the way your season has gone so far? And uh, what the fair, how fair were the results that you had? Yeah.
2: So, like I say, they're very young um, and hence uh, no championship experience. So, unsurprisingly, there's been a lot more inconsistency. That's what you expect to see from that kind of side, generally. I'd say, in general, the performances are improving. If you look at our XG against, that's been trending down. If you look at our big chances conceded per 90, that's been trending down. There's another one that I've forgotten. Um, But in general, our defence is looking a bit... Better, I think, we were a bit too ambitious at the start of the season. We left ourselves a bit too wide open, and we got hit with a few sucker punches, some sloppy defending, some amateur mistakes. They're happening less, but they're still there a little bit. Um, I, I would say we're, our position is probably about fair. I mean, we're in that stage whereby we win one every three or four games, and if you'd speak to us right after that win, then our position is looking much better. If we'd spoken after the Wednesday game, would be that much higher on the table. Or if we'd got probably would have been a deserved win at Ipswich, then you know we'd be looking great. But if you speak to us after, you know, a defeat or a couple of games without, then that's going to be reflected in the table. I, I think we're going to be that sort of side that's going to be inconsistent. We've been promoted. We haven't got the same qualities and the same quality and experience as a lot of the sides around us um on paper anyway. And like I said, that's just going to be reflected in the performances and ultimately the results. I think we'll hit a run where we'll climb the table like a lot of relegated the sides. So they relegated like a lot of bottom third sides. So they generally pick up a lot of their points in like a ten-game run. Wouldn't be surprised if we do that and then drop off post those ten games.
1: Sounds good. As it, fingers crossed, you, you do manage to keep keep up that Me consistency too. and don't regress, like you said. There uh, would be good. And speaking more about the style of play that you that you opt when you're on the pitch, what do you look like in possession? What's the sort of tactics are getting the the quality of render the pitch and Uh, most
2: likely we're going to be in a 4-3-3 formation so i'm just going to assume that but we have like a a backup the 3-4-3 that we switched away from but has been featured in about four or five games recently um by and large we've been quite possession focused we've had lovely patterns of play like i think most if you go look at most um games that we've played away recently there's been lots of applaud it and honest, is starting to annoy some uh, fans I know we get a lot of plaudits from um, opposition fans at the moment saying best team we've played against all season we've not gone on to take the three points in any of these away games but Ipswich, West Brom, a series of others um, I think Hull, actually Hull might not have, anyhow um, a series of uh, teams have been very impressed with the style of play so I'd say quite a good chance that a number of Lee fans will come away quite impressed and surprised with how well, you know, a promoted young low down the table side have played. Generally, you'll see someone like Finazaz, I think he's probably one of the keys to our creativity and, to, you know, progressing the uh, ball through the thirds. You'll see him start deeper, find pockets of space, move forward, back sideways in order to receive the ball and half turn. You'll see players like Whitaker and Mumber on the wing. They'll hold, hold their width a lot. Um, and they'll be excellent receiving the ball in half turn. Again, they're very good at you know that first touch to take them away from their man into space and breaking through. Um, and you'll also see, for example, inverted fullbacks when we're in possession um, to try and you know make those uh, make the space to draw players out of position, make space for someone like as or Whittaker receiving further up the field.
1: That's good. A lot, a lot, a lot of different approach, approaches there. Probably, will, like you said, what sometimes wouldn't expect yeah. from a team who are not, uh, newly promoted and. And with a lot of young players, but that's, that's always good to see. I do love a team who tried to possess it's the ball. It's
2: in fashion right now as well, isn't it? The inverted fullbacks. And the, so I feel like there's a number of teams that yeah. have a similar answer to that, but yeah, we're, we're down that route right now.
1: Good stuff. And what about when the opposition has the ball? What is um, your pressing approach?
2: Well, we started off with a bit of a higher press, but in recent weeks, like I say, particularly because we've seen more defensive issues by by going that high press, we're running the risk of you know balls in behind, there's lapses in concentration, just the, the pressure that gets put on the team and the defence when when we're going man for man across the pitch. So I think that I haven't got any data to so actually back this up, but I think that we've seen um, the club play a bit more conservatively, a bit more of a defence and depth approach in recent weeks and. I wouldn't be surprised if against Leeds, a bit like really against Southampton, there'll be an early press and then we'll sort of pick our moments after that and we'll sit in um I think South, off the top of my head, Southampton might be the only side who've really held the ball and we've I almost let them have it and not really challenge them for possession and we've been happy to try and play through them and press but only at times. I think away from home with Leeds having quite a high possession record, what, fourth, fifth, third in the league, something like that. Um yeah, Sorry. I I I imagine We'll challenge early on in the game, and then it's key points, strategic points, but then um, but then sit back a bit more and just try to defend the space like we have a bit more recently just to reduce the risk to to the goal. Plus, we've also seen that in recent weeks we've had quite a, th- quite a threat on the counter. I think if we look at all three Sheffield Wednesday goals that we scored, all on the counter, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if that's the approach we took. But if you're playing at home park, then I'd expect us to be more on the front foot than away at the road.
1: Yeah. I think we probably would struggle more if you were to try to press us. Um, that is something which has caused us problems a few games this season. Um, so if, if um, Schumacher is a team manager, if if he has watched back some of these games where we have been pressed and struggled, then he may decide to do that. And that's one, one thing I, I was thinking.
2: It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me because um, we've got uh, I, th- I think generally considered to be a well-respected like, research in terms of both players' balls or opposition approach. And is quite a tactical manager. He's not the sort of person who'll just throw the player... In, you know, uh, uh, the sort of person who's just going to motivate the team and have your way of playing. I think he's quite um, attuned to picking the right way to play against the right opposition, horses for courses. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's flagged that. I think it's just the risk-reward. Do you risk going toe-to-toe? And if you've got a lot of speed in behind... We've got a lot of inexperienced players. We've been making you know mistakes, and that's been costing us points. Do you go for the high risk option away, or do you you know just settle in and hope that you can get it um more secure that way?
1: That's going to be interesting to see the way he approaches mm-hmm. it. It's great. And who do you say are the players who are most important to the way you play? I know you mentioned some of them earlier, or maybe who are most important for you to get results specifically against Leeds.
2: Good question. Um, I think in previous years. Um, particularly roll back four or five years, you'd be able to pick out like some key players who are really vital. Um, particularly if you look back to administration or post-administration years, mm. we yeah, we were like the sort of team that would sit back. And you've got one talisman who you're relying on to do the business. That was Graham Carey at that point. We've evolved a lot since then, and I wouldn't really say that. There's, um, I'd say that it's quite hard to pick that out. Really, there's probably one player who stands out as like the mercurial one who can make something happen out of nothing. That's going to be Morgan Whitaker. He's going to start off the right wing unless it's 3-4-3 three, three, then he'll be more of an inverted forward but th- if it's 4-3-3 three, three, he'll start off the right wing. You might have seen his incredible goal against Ipswich and that's either five or six for the season now might be six. Um He's definitely the, the one that we're currently going to for moments of magic. He's been involved in more goals for us than anyone else so it's most likely going to be him particularly since um, well I think you're going to ask in a second about injuries but we've just had both our strikers get injured so that's going to Put even more onus on him to be that that star player. But I personally also like to sort of highlight Thinners who I think they're a lot more Argyle player, a lot more Argyle fans are really appreciating him in recent weeks. I personally think he's really vital to the way we're playing. He's our best creator. I think he's in the top ten in the championship for expected assists and key passes. Um, he's you know very good at dribbling the ball. So personally, I'd also pick him out. But like I say, I'm really doing a disservice to lots of different players. Some like Jordan and Dan Scar's actually been really, really strong. Cooper back from injury if he's in top form. So it's really a balanced team as opposed to a functional team with key players that are going to do the business for you.
1: Makes a lot of sense. That's great. Thank you. And so Leeds have been looking to keep hold of the ball under Daniel Farker. So we'll talk about this a little bit earlier. Mm. With that in mind, how do you expect this game to go?
2: Yeah, based on what I said earlier, I'll be probably guessing leads around 60 percent possession i i i get the feeling that i like to say they'll press early but by and large will sit off um and be pragmatic uh i, I don't know if uh, you need to predict the scoreline here or just how the, the game will shape out
1: no just generally how just how the game will go uh so i think i think we've probably covered yeah. most of that that'll be that you're not sure if, if, if he's going to just decide to press or not but you think that he may just a little bit at times, I think.
2: Leeds have 60% of the ball. Argyle, I reckon it'll be just as... The sides will probably have quite even XG, but Leeds will have the greatest share of the ball, would be my guess.
1: That'll do. Thank you. And so, you mentioned a couple of them the strikers who got injured. Um, so, who is it, the ones who were injured?
2: So, yeah, against, against Ipswich, Ryan Hardy went off injured in about 20 minutes. Um, and then Bundu, mustafa, I think it's Fernandes for mustafa actually. He only... He's only started about two games for us since he'd signed on the last day of the window. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Mustapha, but it my Mr. Fu- oh, I'm not sure. Uh, anyhow, Bundu, um, who, like I say, had not been had been sort of building up his fitness and learning the tactical approach. Um, he made his first start against Sheffield Wednesday, scored a great free kick. I'd recommend go watching it. Um, Keeper side uh, top corner, and off the bar. Uh, went off injured, I think, in like the 85th minute, leaving us down to 10 minutes. Where we really made our subs. Um, just today we heard that Bundu's going to be out for at least two weeks, possibly back after the international break. Hardy, mid to late December earliest, I think, was what I, uh, was what someone told me they'd read. So all of a sudden we've got Ben Wayne, who's our last remaining recognised striker, who I would say needs a League One or League Two loan, but he seems like he's a bit of a poacher. He's come over from New Zealand, um, last January, so he's just come up to a year with Argyle uh he he could well we create a lot of chances for our strikers and they're not too involved in build up they are involved but not too involved so it wouldn't surprise me if he could slot in find space and hit the back of the net surrounded by quality players but equally a lot of people right now are quite you know you sort of split between yeah let's get behind ben wayne and who are a bit more doom and gloom and we're going to pay for a bit of a lack of depth in the squad
1: thank you and could you give us the best guess at what your lineup will look like?
2: Yeah, I assuming it's four three three, 3 3 and assuming no further injuries or suspensions, I'd be expecting Cooper in goal, probably Joe Edwards at right back, Dan Scar and Lewis Gibson centre back. And I'm going to say Kane Kessler Hayden left back, though it could be Kessler Hayden on the right or he could be on the bench and Mikel Miller could be left back. Was, but the full back's in a bit I'm really a bit unsure about. Um most likely Jordan Halton in defensive mid, um Finn Azaz and Adam Randall ahead of him in centre mid, potentially Luke Cundal in for either of those two, Whisker on the right, Mumber on the left, and Ben Wayne up front. It's gonna be most likely.
0: Okay,
1: thank you. And we don't ask for predictions, but what I will ask is where will this game be won or lost?
2: Um I'm gonna say that it's gonna be won or lost. <sighs> I'm from an Argyle perspective, probably based on our defending. Um, we're not bad defensively, but mistakes creep in too frequently and have been too frequently, um, particularly away. To be honest, we should have beaten Ipswich, um, and yet we still conceded three goals, and two of them are outright defensive errors in Myers. So I'd say probably that's the main factor. We we score a lot of goals. We we miss even more great chances than that. I think we missed a one-on-one or two against Ipswich as well. Um, so we score a lot of goals. It's the defending that's letting us down. I back Argyle to score, and that means that, for me, it's going to be up to our ability to keep leads out to determine what the final score is going to be.
1: Should be an, an interesting game. Looking forward to it.
2: I, I look forward to it as well.
1: And uh, Thank you very much for joining us today, Nick. Where can our listeners find your content?
2: Sure. So you can visit our website, Life, or you can listen to the Green and White podcast, which comes out weekly. And I think there's also Twitter spaces as well. But usually cropped yeah. out of midweek games
1: that's great get like once again thanks a lot and hope you in- enjoyed again
2: thanks so much for having me
0: you know i've been in exeter all of last weekend martin and i was at a wedding actually uh really really fun time and obviously exeter's that that neck of the woods plymouth same area They're basically the only two clubs in that region for for quite a away, you know, that are professionals anyway, and I heard a lot of these accents and and I I loved hearing uh, Nick say it was after like that, (laughs) and half like that, I just, yeah, I love the accent, I got really used to it over the weekend, but it is a strange one. Um, But yes, we are here today to discuss Plymouth Argyle, one of the probably quite fun teams in the Championship, I would say. I think you had quite a bit of fun watching them, you said to me just before we started. Yeah, yeah, I did enjoy the watch that I had
1: of them. Yeah, they seem like to be a fun team, especially for the neutral to watch.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, And I watched their recent 3-0 draw with um, Middlesbrough in which actually the last goal scored against Plymouth was by a Leeds player, it was Sam Greenwood. Um, uh, But yeah, we're going to talk about them now a little bit. Um, I'll start off with saying that Nick wasn't sure if they would like to try their high press against us, especially as it's at Ellen Road. Do you think we should be concerned if they do try to press us?
1: Well, in the game that I watched, which was against um, Middlesbrough, like you've already alluded to, that's the most recent match they've had. Uh, they were trying to press Middlesbrough, um, but I don't think we're who had done by by the press. I think that they managed to evade it quite well. Obviously, um, they are quite well coached by, is it, Farrick? Yeah, so, so, so they're pretty decent in their build-up. Um don't think it should cause us many problems if they do try to press us. I think we probably have come up against more intense presses and ones which will, will caused us more problems in previous games, but I, I honestly maybe, maybe think that they probably won't try to press us, especially at Ellen Road, but who knows they are a fun team, so they could try to cause some chaos and try it out. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that.
0: I think if we were playing them away, um, I think that it's a slightly different prospect. I think their crowd really get up for it and they're they've they're a pretty good team at home as well. Um and I think that if that we were playing there, especially against Borough, it really felt in that first sort of five, six, seven minutes of the game, they were really intensely pressing them as much as they could and and snapping at them a lot and hunting in little packs. Um And then it kind of dropped off a little bit after that. And it wasn't quite as aggressive. I would say if, if they press in the way that Stoke did um, not that long ago, then maybe. But I don't foresee that happening so much at Ellen Road personally. Um, But yeah, we, we can sometimes deal with that. And if we look at the Leicester game, whenever we press in that, you've got that base of Ampadu and Kamara. And I think that that really, really helps. Also, when teams try to engage as high, it gives us that that sort of get out, especially someone like Kamara is so pressure resistant, and yeah, he's he's good at playing through them. Um, and teams like that when they come on to him, so you no, know, I'm not personally too worried either myself. Um, but yeah, I do just like I say, I find them a, a really interesting team. So I'm interested to see as we as said, like whether they're going to do that or if they're going to sit back a little bit. We'll have to look out for that. Um, but speaking of things to look out for, um. Which players, in your head, good or bad, would you say are worrying you most?
1: Well, with regards to the bad, I didn't really notice anyone who stood out, really, who was noticed at bad. Um, In general, their attack is better than their defence. So I think maybe just as a whole, their defence isn't maybe of the highest quality compared to our attackers. Um, So I think just the the parts of the defence can can be got at. I think their right-back, or maybe left-back actually, was, looked a bit, a little bit slow off the mark and was caught out, caught out a few times in the game, which I,
0: I saw. Um, I forget what his name was. It Was, in, was it Kessler Hayden, or was he playing left-back?
1: It was number 14. Was it 14? but uh, talking, I'll look it
0: up.
1: But yeah, whichever one it, when it was who was play, playing at left-back in the most recent game in this borough, he looked a little bit slow off the, off the mark and was caught out would the pace of, of one of Borough's wide men. So he's probably the one that I would look out for in defence. Um, but going forward, they have quite a few very fun players who I just like One look of. Uh, The first one who caught my eye was Barley Mumba. Um, he's a phenomenal dribbler and very good at moving the ball on sleekly and quickly. And he's very good at turning when he receives the ball with his back to the opponent and quickly turning them. Very good at that. That's something that we'll have to keep an eye out. Um, if he's playing on the left wing, a lot will have actually great to deal with him, and actually has shown himself to be a pretty good one v one defender. So I would think that will be an interesting battle. I believe Mumba will get the better of him a few times. Gray will get the better of him a few times. So it's going to be an interesting one. Is that um? So he's one to look out for. For both assisting and creating, his not not to a few. I think he scored and assisted against Borough. And the other one I noticed was um. In Azaz. He was also another very fun player who likes to dribble, and he also they've got a lot of good, fun, I think there are automations at our stalls, a lot of nice 1 2 patterns which were often involving Azaz. And I quite often drop deep into, to help build up and get the ball forward quickly. So, yeah, those are the two players who are most caught, caught my eye, I'd say, while well, watching. I'm not sure about you.
0: I have quite a few actually on, on both sides of this. Yeah. I think, like you mentioned, they are more of an attacking team that are capable of scoring quite freely uh, freely um, against the opposition. I think they've scored one more than us, um, albeit they've slightly overperformed their XG and we're a bit closer to ours in terms of the actual goals scored. Uh, but only two teams have scored more than them, and that is it was and Leicester, unsurprisingly. Um, and yeah, there's loads of players within that. Morgan Whitaker, a really direct, fast dribbly winger who I think thrives in chaos and transition. He doesn't really think too much about what he's doing. I think he acts on instinct a lot of the time and, and just looks to cut in on his left quite often to score and he's pretty good at that. He's their top scorer, I believe, now that Ryan Hardy's been injured. Ryan Hardy's a decent player as well. He's actually injured which is good. Um like you mentioned Bali Mub, I don't really need to discuss him too much other than I think he's had a really interesting career. He came through the ranks of Sunderland as more of a midfield player, then obviously moved to Norwich where that move was kind of like when he was really young and they were hoping he would develop and they loaned him out a few times and one of them was to Plymouth who have now signed him permanently for not actually that very much money at all. I think he's probably worth quite a lot more than the the one million paid. Um, But he was playing as a wing-back last season for most of the season and now he's playing as a winger so he's basically moved across the pitch in in a lot of different places. And I know you're going to think, Adam, I need to say the James Milner comparison while you're on the podcast. No, you don't. But he could be our James Milner, you know, one day, one day. Anyway, um, Finnazaz, yeah, really, really good creative midfielder. He was someone that uh, Hobbsy and I actually discussed way back earlier in the summer as someone we would like to see potentially lead sign because he's a player that done really well in League One on loan and then Plymouth signed him again in this summer on loan from Aston Villa. Um it was really late, you know, it was one of those where they got him like just before the season started, rather than having him for all the pre-seasons, I wonder if Villa themselves were taking a look at him, or if they were trying to get him a move to a higher-end championship team. But he's a he's a lovely footballer. So those are all some really really positive players. Uh, a few others that I would mention, I think Kessler Hayden on loan now from Aston Villa as well. He is a talented player, a talented fullback. He can play uh, either fullback option, right or left, he's good at inverting as I think Nick mentioned and then their goalkeeper who's had a really tough time with injuries, was out for a long long time and he's just come back in called Cooper Um, he is one of the best young goalkeepers in the EFL and it's not really a huge surprise to see that their numbers have started to go down a little bit on the goals against Colum since he's come back into the team because he is just an excellent goalkeeper he'll be playing in the Premier League within the next few years so those are the players that are pretty good for them they've actually got quite a good young core Um most of them permanent signings as well which is nice So, obviously, if they stay up this season, you could see them having a few assets and they could build on this. You know, they might have to sell one to to sort of build in the future. But I am confident they will stay up this season, even though they are a bit of a chaotic team. But there are definitely... Um, chaotic elements that go against them as well Um, I think that players like Gibson at the back he is a player that lacks a lot of experience has played quite a bit of league one and two football don't think he's necessarily transitioned that well to the championship so far and then Miller is the guy that you were talking about the number 14 Um, he is a left wing back player Usually, but has been playing left back more. So I think their fullbacks are pretty attack minded rather than defensive. So that's why another reason maybe that they are conceding as many goals as they are. Um So yeah, there's there's definitely some reasons for us to be positive. Let's put it that way in that sense. And it kind of shows to me why they're a little bit inconsistent because they do have this kind of young core. They've claimed some big scalps that Norwich game, and then they've had some pretty poor defeats to some, some not necessarily great teams around them as well. Um, so they, they are a little bit inconsistent. and I think that's kind of how they might be for a decent chunk of this season. They're just going to be one of those sides that maybe occasionally gives you a bit of a, oh, that was a surprise. Like they gave it such a good game recently as well. I didn't watch that one on the, on the, uh, build up to this, but I know that for a fact that they gave them a bit of a game and they, they did play well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested to see what, what they do here because I think they've got some good threat in attack but defensively they can be got at and I think yeah even though Cooper is a positive coming back in I still think there's goals for us in this game Um, so I'm not overly uh, worried about them Uh, it's just that players like Whitaker do scare me I I would say about him just quickly if we don't go up this season he's probably a player that should be looking towards the top end of the division as his next sort of step up at some stage whether that's this summer or, or maybe next summer who knows but you know a really really good young player that came through at derby didn't really work out for him at swansea and now he's found himself in plymouth where he's at home and yeah it's, it's a really good player but yes i i will move on now because uh, i've talked a lot about some of their players there to the lead section of this which i think is probably what the listeners want to hear a little bit more about and um first of all i'll ask you how do you think we will approach this game in possession? Do you think we are going to play any differently, especially with in mind that we've just played Leicester recently?
1: I don't think there'll be any major changes as to the way we approach this game. <clears throat> I think still think that we will look to dominate the ball. They'll think that we will look to take moments to transition on them when they do get forward because they are quite open in transition, so it would make sense for us to attack quickly in those moments, which don't see really why we would suddenly change that. So no, I can't see any changes in the way we decide to approach this game.
0: Same here. So, <laughs> not much else to add there yet. Yeah. Farker kind of is wedded to this, isn't he? Like, yeah, And especially in in the home games, probably wants to assert his dominance. Mm-hmm. We've won four and drawn three of the home games. We're the only unbeaten team, actually. I don't know if I've just jinxed that. <laughs> We're the only unbeaten team left in the Championship at home. But yeah, don't think that's going to change too much. Um, and then in regards to how do you expect us to approach this game out of possession, would you say that'll be any different from the Leicester game?
1: I'd imagine there will be some differences. I can't imagine us um, doing another man-for-man press. But be honest i would not be against it um but I'd, i'm not sure if it's really as required in this game as opposed to others but i will be interested to see if it is something which FA does continue with um because obviously it was very effective against leicester and obviously there is weaknesses in the man marking system but as we know from bielsa it is very effective at this level if done right so if that's some, if that was to be something which continued in this in this division, i would be perfectly happy with that And I'm sure other lead fans probably would as well. Um, But yeah, I I don't think it'll be anything. I think he'll probably go back to the original way that we were pressing before the last game. So um, we could have moments to press high, mainly a mid block. I think that kind of thing is what I think he'll approach this game with. Um, I think he'll probably want to try to avoid it being too transitional because I think that probably may suit Plymouth a little bit more because that. The vibesiest team I've seen in this league. So if we let it descend too much into chaos and don't try to control it with our own possession, then it spells trouble for us. I think
0: I agree. Yep, the man man high press against Leicester was pretty good. I think it's been something that was good against Watford as well, but not in every game. And dropping into mid-block probably is the right answer here. Um, yeah, uh, maybe in moments it's at a high press, but like you said, but not not the whole time. Um, yes. Then I wanted to ask. Which players can you see having a big impact on this game for us? Um, are there any in particular that stand out, especially when we're talking about Plymouth's approach compared to our own? I think it'll definitely come down to our our attackers, just in
1: general, um, not any one in particular. Um, they're going to be the ones who are going to see us because if they don't make the most of of our attacks, then we'll give them the opportunities to attack us. So what we'll, we need to be making the most of our opportunities is not turning the ball over in dangerous areas. So we need to make sure the transition from midfield to attack is smooth and not leaving openings for them to win the ball and quickly attack on us because they can do us damage. Um, so that, that is, would be it for me. So the forward line of Somerville and Routier and Perrault and James, if those, if those are four who are selected, then it's going to be on them too make sure our attacks don't break down and get some good quality shots off on there. Yeah, that would be my answer.
0: I ultimately think it depends on the kind of approach that they're going to go for. I think if it becomes a game where they really want to attack us and go for it, which they seem to have done in most games this season, then our transition players are going to be the most crucial, which is essentially Dan James, Crescencio Somerville, Jorginho Ruta, and I would also put Glenn Kamara in that category now in terms of how he will take the ball out for us and um, instigate attacks from those sort of areas. Um, but then if they do decide to be a little bit less gung-ho, shall we say, uh, then I guess I guess the best players for us um are gonna be the low block players like Crescencio Somerville and Jorginho Ruter, probably the main two. Um and I would say if it is against the low block that I would say Willie Anto is probably a better option than Dan James if they're gonna sit deep, but that might be something that comes into action more in the second half if we're struggling to break them down. Um but yeah on on the flip side, yeah, I've, I've talked about them a lot already but and you have as well with, with But they're two wingers against our two fullbacks is where I'm probably most concerned. I know that Archie Gray held his own against Mavididi, but we had a decent defensive foundation behind him. Um, We might be attacking a little bit more. He might not have as much support in this game so it might be a little bit more difficult for him against Mumba and then on the other side you've got Whittaker luckily if he is playing against Sam Byram that is Byram tackling him on his strong foot which I actually prefer a lot but I still think he's a really dangerous threat as as I mentioned Um, he really does thrive in transition and in chaos rather than in settled possession um, and settled phases of play Um, he you know his story is really funny because um, he was loaned to Plymouth last season was absolutely tearing it up for them in League 1 and then Swansea recalled him in January this is a Swansea team that were managed by Russell Martin who played in quite a passive p- pedestrian type way very patient, slow it just didn't suit him and made no sense for them to recall him and now he's back with Plymouth and it's no surprise he's already I think he's overperforming his numbers, his underlyings but he is still a really, really exciting player and someone to be worried about even though I think that Byron could have the better of him if he is attacking onto that foot I just I worry a little bit about about that matchup still because he's still got the pace on him let's put it that way but yeah in in general it probably does come down to the differential in attackers i i think i would never predict a score on this i think they might score though in this game but we might win that's probably where my head's at right now um but i don't know <laughs> you never know they did give it such some problems so we'll exactly see. um yeah then i wanted to just ask you i guess um Based on, on that, what, what do you expect the lineup to be uh, much different from the last game? Bear in mind we've had a little bit more of a gap than usual. We've not had a midweek game this week, thankfully. I think it'll probably be the same team.
1: Um, I can't see there being be any reason to change it, really. Um, we're all playing well at the moment, and I don't think there'll be much reason to chop and change for unless uh, there's been any injuries that we don't know about. Obviously, we'll find out about that in press conference tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I think it'll probably be the same. So it'll be Melier, it'll be Byram at left-back and Roden and Strauch in the middle. And it'll be Gray at right-back with Connera and doing midfield with Somerville, James and Perro in the three behind. Uter.
0: I completely agree. Um, like I said, the only thing that might happen... I mean, he's never he's never really made subs early, has he Daniel It was another one of my little gripes with him against Leicester. But I think if, if we're struggling a little bit, then maybe Nonto would be the other change that could come in. But I don't think he'll start with that. I think he will still start with James. Uh, there's no reason to drop anyone from that Leicester game. Pretty much all of them were at least decent. Um, yeah. Even like Sam Byram, who was given a really hard time against Fatahu, um, he then really, really grew into that second half, didn't he? Yeah, so was- um, don't... Don't see a reason to change anything, uh, even though players like Junior Furpo are back and things like that. I just think it'll largely stay the same. Um, I don't, I don't see a reason why not, especially because we've had a nice eight-day rest for this, which is more than we've pretty much had all season. Exactly. Um, what do you expect then? This game of football will look like chaos. Hey, <laughs> I <don't>, I, could, <laughs> I can really see
1: this game being very open and having a lot of goals in it. That is, if some have approached it like they have done a lot of their games this season, if they approach it in a similar sort of way, then I'd expect it to be, have quite a lot of goals in. Um, I, I think there'll definitely be an early goal for, for, for one of the teams. But I, well, I couldn't put money on which, but I, th- I think there's going to be goals in this game, so mark a nil nil is what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: So basically anyone listening, you should definitely put um a decent amount of money on a nil nil and then hopefully you either win or you are pleasantly surprised that the game ended up being chaotic. Um yeah, as as Martin mentioned, the their their games have been pretty chaotic. Only Norwich fixtures in the championship this season have seen more goals with fifty six than Plymouth's fifty one. Um for context we've had forty goals I think in ours. 25 scored, 15 against. They've had like 26 goals scored for, which is more than us, and then 25 against. So a lot of goals involved in their games and a 3 old draw in their last one kind of sums them up a little bit and they've also beat Norwich 6-2 and things like that. So it's been a bit nuts for them. Um, I agree with you. I think it's probably more likely that this is bit of a counter game where there's a high press from them and we try to play through them but then there's a lot of, tr- lot of transitions for both teams. There is that small possibility that it is a low block and we struggle to break them down but I do think it's more likely to be the former like you said. Um, and so that brings me on to where do you think this game will be won or lost?
1: I think a lot of it will, will be won on how they approach this game. I think they would probably be better off trying to low block us because that would do us more damage than being more open against us because we've got so many players who thrive in transition we're not just a section based team who have to possess the balls and say a team we can that's probably more dangerous in transition than we are in settled possession in understood so i think if they do decide to press us i think it will play into our hands and there'll be more space for both teams to operate in and the our attackers should be able to take advantage of that more than what theirs, as good as their attackers are, think ours are better.
0: I, yeah, definitely, definitely are better and definitely agree with that. It's essentially our defenders are better than their defenders at dealing with their attackers and our attackers are better than their defenders at dealing with that. So if it does become transitional, I would expect us to win. But like I said earlier, I think there's probably a decent chance they do score at some point in this game, even if it's kind of a crazy Crazy like long shot goal. Whitaker's got a few there in his locker this season, um, by luck or by you know, you know, he's he's just got the quality. He's got decent ball striking, but they've got quite a few threats like that. So I think they will score at some point. But it might be one of those where again it comes kind of down to who scores first in terms of how it opens up. I think if we score first, forces them play a bit more, and then we um we probably go on and score quite a few. If they score first, I still would expect us to try and get back into the game. But um, yeah, I think that. That there will be goals either way, really. Um, I'd, I hope there is an early goal either way because I think that will open the game right up. Um, But yeah, there is, like you say, blueprint from other teams this season. You look at teams like Sheffield Wednesday and um, QPR even. like There's been some teams that are down the bottom end that have made it difficult for us a little bit. And So if Plymouth wanted to, they could probably do that. But even if they do sit in a low block, I think we've got enough quality in our attack to come up with a moment that might open the game up that I think we might be okay. Um, I think that's everything. Unless there's anything you wanted to add? No, no. I think we've covered everything quite well. It's I'm um... Like looking forward to this game, see how
1: they approach it. It could really, really be a fun game.
0: Yeah, and I'm not going to make any predictions on this podcast because we don't tend to, but I look at the next three fixtures, starting with this one, and really see it as an opportunity for us to eat up a bit of ground on the top two. We already have started doing that, obviously, with the results that Ipswich have had recently, the two draws, and when we beat Leicester, that was that was massive weekend, was a massive week for us, really. But we've got Plymouth, Rotherham, and Swansea in these next three, and I just. Don't really see any excuses not to get nine points. I'm not trying to jinx it. I'm just saying that there's not really an excuse um, not to, especially when you look at December. We've got some tougher fixtures there, so we could do with uh, closing the gap up before we play some of those games in December, which like Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Blackburn, um, and then we've even got West Brom. So it was right in the top six themselves as well. So it's a it's a big month there, and I'd, I'd like us to start this you know, run with a with a win here. Um, but yes, that brings us towards the end of the podcast. So I will quickly do what Tom Alderson would kill me for if I didn't, which is to plug the Patreon. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been putting out bonus podcasts on our Patreon. For those who don't know, Patreon is a platform where people can pay money to support creators that they enjoy and receive bonus content in return. We put out patreon only podcasts and analysis articles, and our patrons also get all our podca- podcasts ad free plus early access to our preview pods such as this one for some of you um we have a few things in the works coming soon, firstly, Martin has been working on a video for some of our patrons, as has Tom Wilson but Martin, could you discuss what you've been focusing on yeah first
1: so there's there's been two videos that have gone onto to our patreon recently um one which was by me, which was about um, Len Pamera and his game against Huddersfield, which was a very fun game. I won probably the first of his two best performances of the season and the performance was followed immediately against Leicester. (laughs) So yeah, he's just continued to grow and grow as camera and I felt I needed to do something on him. And I've also done an article on our patching approach against Leicester, which went out, I think, the Sunday, I think. So yeah, for a few days back now. And then just today, we've put out another video again from our, from friendly Leicester game that how, how we pressed in that game and the Man to Man approach which we took and that one was by Tom Wilson. It's a fantastic video. I just really encourage you all to watch it, especially if you are interested in tactics and man marking. It's a very fun video to watch and Tom goes into a lot of good detail in there. I think, I think it's about 14 minutes long. So it's a good, chunky video if you, if you enjoy that kind of thing.
0: Yep, I would agree with everything you just said. I haven't watched it yet, but I have been discussing some of that stuff with you guys in the group chat. And it is interesting to see Farker sort of deviate from a lot of what he's done in the past with Norwich and show a little bit more tactical now, so I would say mm-hmm. a bit more tactical acumen. And I've been really impressed, um, especially in that Leicester game, I have to say. And yes, that isn't all of what we've been doing so far is that we've got more stuff coming out as well i believe the under 21s pod is also coming soon yes when is that being recorded martin with you and dan
1: i believe we said sunday um so yeah by the um, i'd say beginning of next week we should have that one out by the latest and then we're also doing a podcast during the international break so we'll have after this one we'll have the review of the Plymouth game obviously and the under 21s pod and then we'll also have a another bonus pod during the international break. Um, we're not 100% confirmed on what that's going to be yet, but we're thinking some kind of quiz slash comparison between Farka's leads and Bielsa's leads. That's one of the ideas that's been thrown out. So it could be a bit of fun just generally just having a chat and about Farka and Bielsa and a few of It's possibly a quiz. But like I said, we not 100% sorted on what we're going to do with it. But either way, it would be fun.
0: Either way, essentially what you're saying is our listeners are being spoilt. Indeed. And that they should go and head on over to listen to those. I think we've got even more in the works soon as well. Um, and it, it must be said that it really helps us out when you support us, and it means we could do more content like those. So if you are interested and want to access this content, you can sign up at Go on Martin. Patreon.com forward slash A-S-A-W Patreon. Yep, and I believe actually for the Under 21s pod as well, we actually have the first episode out free uh, to listen um, as well. So if you want a little taster, go ahead over and listen to that first and then you can sign up if you are interested to see what Dan and might have to say on that. But yeah, that brings me to the close of the podcast. So we will be back next week with a review of this Plymouth game. We'll also be back As well to preview, I believe it's Rotherham next, not Swansea. I think that's right. Um, And yeah, um, all that's left for me to say is thanks to Martin. And thank you to Adam. And thanks very much to all that listened in. Let's hope we can pick up where we left off and beat Plymouth and keep the run going. Bye.